Welcome back to Campus Insights, the podcast that brings you thought-provoking discussions about contemporary challenges in higher education. For this final episode in our first series, we're exploring chemistry education and an innovative, authentic assessment that is making its mark. It's a story of innovation, engagement, and igniting a spark through active learning. Let's join the team to hear more. Hello, I'm Dylan Liu, lecturer of Food Science and Sustainability at Federation University, Australia. Today, we are diving into the innovative authentic assessment method used in the organic synthesis for drug design unit, co-designed and facilitated by our colleague Ben Long and David Smith. Welcome, Ben and David. Hi, Dylan. So let's begin by setting the stage. Can both of you briefly describe the active learning oral assessment as a motivation behind this design? Can we start from you, Ben? Yep, absolutely. We have developed a oral exam for organic synthesis, and it's what we call a whiteboard exam. So the students come up, we ask them a quick question, give them a little cue card, with the question on it and they essentially get free reign over a whiteboard to answer the question there and then with us. They get a few hints from us if they need it and essentially it grows, for lack of a better term, organically from there and we can take the question where it needs to go in order to get the best out of the student at the time. Now, a couple of the reasons why we wanted to do that is one for that getting the best out of the students, particularly those middle of the range students and also to combat what was becoming an increasing problem of academic integrity in the unit. So very hard to, I guess, cheat is the way to put it if you're right there in front of your lecturers answering the question in real time. David, do you have anything to add on? I just agree with what Ben says. They were the sort of the two main drivers for us wishing to do this. So my second question is, authenticity seems to be a significant component for this assessment. How does this task mirror the actual scenarios students might encounter in the industry in the future? So actually, I'll take I'll add that one as a third as a third reason for us doing this. If you're solving problems of the type that we were asking, this would be what you might be doing if you were working for a drug discovery company, or if you were working uh, for crop science and trying to make new pesticides, or any research really where you're making organic molecules in any of those scenarios you would never just do this sat by yourself with a piece of paper in silence sort of the traditional technique so the way of talking it through with people is exactly how you would problem solve 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 this okay so science isn't done in isolation and working together or having someone alongside you is a better way of doing that and it'll sort of allow it sort of that further varied experience of colleagues as well so Ben and I, as the students were doing this assessment, could give them hints, could give them nudges, could give them affirmation if they were getting things correct. And again, so this is exactly how we have done it. So Ben and I have both been students, or we've both been, you know, when we were researchers working on these problems, and we would be stood together in a research office with our you know, fellow PhD students or with our boss, and somebody would be drawing on a whiteboard talking through what they were doing while everybody else was chipping in with suggestions or with with agreement uh, and i think as well on the assessment the ability to be able to talk through and explain things and wave your arms around and point to what you're drawing on the whiteboard that's more valuable and more useful than being than what you can just draw down uh, traditionally on paper so preparing students for such a unique assessment must have been very challenging how did you 
ensure they were equipped for success with this assessment? Well, it was something that we built into the course itself. So rather than having it as an extra task of let's get prepared for your oral exam, it was sort of how the whole course was run. So the course itself was delivered in a flipped mode. So we had online short uh, lecture videos. They sort of range from length from being quite short, five minutes to, you know, probably pushing the boundaries of what is a flipped classroom and being close to a 30 minute one. But all of our tutorials were all about problem solving. So we had a number of problems. We had, in our case, three connected classrooms and one shared whiteboard. And the whiteboard could be accessed from any of the classrooms. And so any student or David or myself could contribute to the whiteboard. And that's what we got everyone to do. Everyone had a turn on the whiteboard. So they became familiar with the technology. Everyone had a go at showing their working. And we gave advice as they were putting stuff onto the whiteboard, redirected if needed, or gave confirmation if they were going down the right path. And then often we would also provide commentary about what was happening as the students were writing things up. And so as this was happening every week for 11 weeks of teaching for what we did, the students did become familiar with how to use the technology and then how the assessment was going to be done because we were very clear from the start, this is what we're going to be asking of you at the end of the 11 weeks. And most students took advantage of that. So you mentioned the uh, connected classroom. Obviously, collaboration between two of you was essential to this assessment. Can you please share the benefits and challenges of teaching teams working in this way? Yeah, sure. Ben can give me another $50 after we've done this, but we work together pretty well. Ben and I we work together for quite a while. I think it helps that we've got a pretty similar approach um, and ethos and, and, and teaching style, which definitely makes has made this easier. It would have been more challenging if we'd had differing or opposing views. However, I'd say despite that, we do have slightly different approaches, particularly with sort of the, the specialist level. And deep down, Ben and I do approach things differently. And um, we do disagree um, and on, on some of those, those specifics, but I think it works quite, Ben's laughing. <laughs> but I think it works quite well that we're quite open and honest with one another, which, yeah, which makes things better. I think that particularly helped as we were setting up this particular assessment because it was something different and it was something quite a large change. We, a few weeks before we did this assessment, we sort of met up virtually almost weekly to talk through what we envisioned would be the problems with the assessment. And because we had that sort of slightly different approach, we were coming up with different, or we were foreseeing different issues. And sometimes immediately we realized that, yep, you know, Ben would point something out. I'd be like, yep, I'm wrong. That wasn't the way to do it. And other times we had to talk things through a little bit more. But I think that was something that was uh, hopefully beneficial. So overall, similar sort of teaching style, but sometimes on the specifics, a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll probably add to that as well is that I think a great quote that David came up with about halfway through semester is that you can put two organic chemists in a room and you'll get three answers to the problem. And that very much came through with the teaching of the course. You know, we would always provide several answers because there always is several answers. 
and I might come up with one, David might come up with two, and it just gives the students options. I think that has well helped with the overall design of the assessment in them being able to talk through their answer. And we, we made it clear to them as well, didn't we, Ben, that there's more than one correct answer to the problems we were proposing. I think that did also help doing the assessment in this style. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. I think it's been really exciting to work with you guys in the team as a teaching member. So Enjoying my, it, it. Yeah. <laughs> so my next question is regarding technology. So technology played a significant role in this assessment design. Can you dive into the technology challenges and how you overcame these challenges and plan to address them in the future uh, if it happened again? So as mentioned earlier, we used the connected classrooms, which worked fine for the most part, but they were definitely the biggest challenge. I think they're great. And I should be on record saying that I really enjoyed teaching in them, but quite often there were little things that would go wrong. You know, a whiteboard would stop working for no reason and you'd have to quickly turn it off and turn it back on again. While that was a little bit troubling, it was, wasn't something to deter us because the benefit of having a single whiteboard that we could share across three classrooms was fantastic because at times there were classrooms that were essentially remote and we had online students and they could draw onto this one whiteboard and we could correct straight on to the right board or draw up new ideas onto the whiteboard and everyone would get those at once. We were able to project questions into classrooms and get answers remotely as well. And that all worked for the most part really well. There's a couple of things, of course, that are always teething issues, but I would recommend if you are going to be doing these sorts of tasks at multiple locations like we have, I would recommend getting yourself confident with the technology before starting. Yeah, we had a practice, didn't we, Ben? Or a couple of practices before we started with the students. And I think in that first session, we were quite open and honest with the students that it was our first time as it was for the students using the rooms and, and not getting too flustered when something does go wrong. Because as Ben said, there's a way to fix it. And it was quite useful having the two of us because one of us could if certainly continue teaching the class while the other one of us was in the background trying to find a quick workaround, which I think in every case we, we did very quickly. I think that's also a benefit for working in a team and both of you in, in a classroom or teaching at the same time. My next question is regarding those pros and cons. So what were some of the expected and unexpected benefits you observed with this approach? Yeah, good question. So one of the, going back to the first question, I think it was that Ben touched upon, one of the outcomes that we were hoping for was that our mid to low achieving students would do better. So what we'd noticed when we, going back and looking at the traditional paper-based exams, there were a number of students and those mid to lower achieving students leaving questions completely blank and not writing anything down at all. And what our hope was that if we were in the room with them and they were doing this oral exam, we could either give them a hint to get them started on the question and over that initial barrier, or if they made a start, but were you know a little bit unsure, we could say, that's correct, go on, continue, and sort of give them that affirmation that they were on the right track and heading in the right direction. So we were able to, in a very informal way, look at this. In the middle of semester, we had done a traditional paper-based 
test on the first half of the content. So we could sort of map that score to how they did in this final oral assessment. And pleasingly, we did see that when we looked at effectively the, the lower half of the students in the overall unit, they did better in the oral situation than they did in the traditional paper-based sit down in silence situation, which is what we were hoping for. And probably for those reasons, they weren't leaving a question completely blank, which we saw in the paper-based. We could give them that small hint. A con is probably at the opposite end. So what we did notice was a couple of our very high achieving students didn't do as well as we would have expected to. And Ben and I had a, a chat a little bit after this, and we think it might have been just that they were reluctant to, to get a hint or accept a hint. Because students, if this hint was sufficiently large, they did lose one mark out of many marks for that hint, but obviously allowed them to then access plenty of marks. But we think we wonder just whether they were used to perfection almost, and that they didn't want to take take that hint. And we think it might have been a, been a case. And... Uh, unexpected, I think you asked for as, as well. We both expected students to perhaps be a little bit more nervous than what we saw. I think there was only really a couple of students who showed that and one of them relaxed, visibly relaxed very quickly. Um, I think probably because she started off on the right track and we were able to say, brilliant, that's now you're on the right thing, continue with the structure you're drawing right there. And I think with the other student, we saw, sort of, you know, speaking in just the term afterwards and they just said they were always nervous with, with assessments. Didn't make any difference whether it was oral or whether it was paper. That's just how they were with them. Yeah, so that was an unexpected benefit, I think. The, the students weren't as, as apprehensive as we thought they might be. I will also add on that is that we did ask the students what they thought at the end. Uh, so it was a bit of informal feedback that we just collected on the side. Asked them whether they thought they'd like the oral test versus a paper test. And most people actually thought that they would like the paper test more, so that's what they did right. But one thing that we have considered after the fact is I wonder if they would change their tune knowing that they did far better in their oral exam than they did their paper-based exam because that is what happened for the majority of students. One thing that we were also criticised on was the length of time. The students felt that a short length of time that you would give to an oral exam is also not appropriate for such a large percentage of their score, even though in reality, it's about the same amount of time we would allocate to a paper-based test. They just feel like it's over too quickly. But on the flip side, people said it was great that it was over quickly. So it's very hard to know what to take from that. So whether it's the speed of getting it over and done with or the speed of, is it too quick for what they want to see? That's very interesting. So given the unique nature of this assessment, it may not suitable for every unit. Do you have any advice for educators considering adopting or adapting this method? Look, we both think it's a good tool. We don't think it's the best tool that should replace all exams or tests. We definitely think that this sort of thing is far more suited to upper level students. So ones that have access to not just knowledge from perhaps your course, but other courses and can really bring that knowledge together to answer higher level questions that are best discussed rather than just a simple recall of knowledge. I think that's a poor use of an oral exam time. So definitely on the upper level students, you know, we wouldn't be rolling this out to our first year students. I also would have wanted to do it for our first years with when we've got 250 students in the class as well. So I think that's another factor. 
we had about 20, 25 students in this course and it worked, but yeah, it would be challenging in the larger courses. Just for my curious, do they get practice opportunities before the final exam? We set a question every single week that we highlighted that this one is very similar to what you'll get in the exam. It was one that we built up throughout. So I think we started about week six, David, where we started adding in what we call a retrosynthesis question. And that was the style of question. It was never hidden, that style. So putting this out in the open now is not ruining anything for us. But we started adding in those style of questions at about the midway mark and gave them the opportunity to practice that style and get up and do those on the whiteboard. Yeah, I was pretty much from the from the halfway point onwards, almost exactly the same as they were going to get. There were there were other examples that were doing an example every week. So I think that's important, getting them to familiar with what to expect. You could probably draw the same sort of correlations regardless of it being an oral exam or not, but you could tell that there was the students who were there every week and getting that practice versus the students who weren't there every week getting the practice and how comfortable they were both one in just generally talking to us and talking through things with us and two performing. Well, I think that's good to know. My last question for both of you is over your teaching career, what's the most important lesson you have learned? Well, I think for me, most important lesson is to keep it enjoyable, not just myself, but for the students. Find if it's enjoyable for me, it's generally enjoyable for them, or at least more so, and therefore they're usually a little bit more engaged and time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> yeah, I just add as well as just enjoyable making it relatable. But I think those things are interlinked as well. So on a personable level being relatable and having those good relationships with students, but also making the content interesting. They understand the importance and relevance. I think Ben and I specifically would, for chemistry would say that it's relevant to all of the sciences and underpins all of the sciences. Yeah, taking some enjoyment out of making the students understand that. So Ben, David, uh, could you please uh, share more information on this? What's a common misconception about teaching uh, organic synthesis or about the academic innovations? Look, I'd like to weigh in on common misconception about teaching organic synthesis. And I think I'll speak for David and almost any organic synthesis chemist here, because a lot of people approach organic synthesis like a game of memory. And that is absolutely the wrong way to do it. And it will burn out any student who tries <laughs> because when you try and do it that way and try and memorize everything, there is too much to memorize. The way you need to approach organic synthesis is about understanding the underpinning concepts. And once you can use those, just a bunch of rules that you can apply to essentially solve a puzzle. And that's what it is. And unfortunately, a lot of people just try and memorize everything and squish it into their brain. doesn't work that way. 100% agree with Ben there. Thank you so much, Ben, David, for sharing your insights and experience. It's evident that innovative teaching methods such as the why you have designed can greatly enhance the learning experience. Really appreciate your time today. Thanks, Dylan. Yeah, no worries, Dylan. Thank you. And that marks the end of this series of Campus Insights. Many thanks to Dylan, Ben and David for their time and for sharing their approach with us today. 
This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Wadawurrung and Gunai Kurnai peoples. Thank you for joining us for this first season of Campus Insights. We look forward to seeing you again soon with more insightful conversations on the issues that matter in higher education. Thank you.